Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very dear and near friend of mine as our second guest tonight on the Steadfast and Law podcast, and that's Stacey Washington. She is the co-chair of the Project 21 National Advisory Board, and she hosts the Stacey on the Right show on Sirius XM. She is a wife and mom of three fantastic kids, an Emmy-nominated TV personality, and <clears throat> An Air Force veteran. I won't hold that against her. She is also a former elected school board member. Stacey has appeared on Fox News, Fox Business, CNN, Newsmax, The Blaze, PBS, RTTV, Al Jazeera. That's kind of questionable. The BBC and a host of network TV stations and has given over 2,500 radio interviews on terrestrial radio stations. She contributes to Fox News Opinion, NRA's America's First Freedom Magazine, townhall.com. She has written for the Missouri Times, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, The Daily Caller, Newsmax, The Federalist, Freedom Works, Town Hall Magazine, The Sentinel Source, Payson Roundup, Independent Tribune, East Bay Times, On the Culture, Conservative Daily News, Big Journalism, Family Events, The Beacon, and many other publications, both online and print. She is the daughter of an Army police officer, and a budget analyst, and she spent the majority of her childhood growing up in Germany, and she has traveled to Saudi Arabia, Russia, Spain, Switzerland, Austria, France, England, and the Netherlands. I don't know, you know, how do you even have time to breathe, Stacey? Thanks for joining us <laughs> on the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. Thank you for having me, Alan. So I love it when you come on my show, and I'm so grateful to be here with you today. Yeah, I tell you, it was just last week I was on your show, so now we get to continue this uh, great conversation. And you know, what an incredible bunch of decisions that have come down from this constitutionally based Supreme Court. I know you're a, a, an extreme supporter and lover of the Second Amendment, so you got to be stoked about the fact that now, you know, in New York and some of these other states, you can't tell us that the Second Amendment stops at our door. Yeah. So, you know, Alan, the, the funniest part about the ruling coming down for the people of New York, who they, they actually they had the right to get a concealed carry permit, but only if they knew someone, only if they mm. were connected in the right way. And so, you know, a friend of ours, Deneen Borelli, Tom Borelli, yep. they received threats after appearing on Fox News many, many times. And I remember her telling us at a breakfast, we were in person at some event, a conference or something, and she was saying, we were all talking about the guns we own. And she said, well, I'm not free. I, I don't have access to the Second Amendment the way you do, because even with all of the threats and me being a public figure, we have applied numerous times and we've always been denied. And I said, what reason do they give? And she said, they don't really give a good reason, but it's based on who you know and, and patronage and who you're friends with. And she, I said, Deneen, you need this for your own personal protection. And she said, yeah, but that's kind of irrelevant because I'm on the wrong side of the political aisle and that means I can't I can't get a, a permit. She said, and where you live, I said, it's easy. I, as long as I'm not a felon and I'm over the age of 18 and 
you know, I, I fill out all my paperwork and submit mm -hmm. my fee, I can get one. And so all the Supreme Court did was say, New York, whatever rules you apply have to be applied across the board. And so the first reaction from the left is that they're afraid that Republicans are going to get upset because black people are going to own guns. And I'm just sitting there. We already do. Yeah, well, I, that's what I was saying. I'm like, well, we have 17 or 18 guns. I've lost count. We're black. I mean, we have we have them. I, so many black people I know have them. And that's my experience going to the range. Alan, when I go, I see just as many black people there as I see whites and Hispanics. Yeah. I Honestly, it looks like the United Nations in there sometimes. Everybody's shooting. Everybody's collecting their rounds and or their, their spent shells and putting mm -hmm. them into the big bucket and Everyone knows the routine. So the left is really far behind the curve on this. And they're showing their underpants here, if you know what I mean, yep. being from the South. They're showing their underpants because they actually think that it's somehow racial when black people own guns, but they don't have that same thought about whites or Hispanics. So they're, they're basically trying to use black people as a weapon again mm -hmm. by making this about us or about Clarence Thomas being a racist or they're, they're, they don't I don't think they even have a coherent message, but. I feel like they're they're the racists again yes. because they keep making the gun ownership issue about race and ethnicity as opposed to being the Second Amendment. It really it applies to every single American. Yeah, that's their fallback always to call any and everything racist. And Joey Behar embarrassed herself on the View when she said gun laws will change when Black people have guns. And last week that was the point of our podcast. And you know, on the table here, I laid out some of my weapons and said, "Hey, Joy, I'm Black and I already have guns." But then again, you know, I didn't vote for Joe Biden, so maybe I'm not really Black. But let's talk about the other major decision that came down on Friday that has sent the left into an apoplectic rage. And again, they're throwing out this whole thing about racism. And that is the Dobbs case, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Obviously, the left does not read the Constitution. They don't read it when it comes to Second Amendment. They don't read it and understand that the court cannot give you a right and the court does not make law. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um the right to privacy and the right to kill an unborn baby, not found in the Constitution. Democrats have basically made it up out of whole cloth and then created law around it and expanded abortion to the point that in some places in America, you can have an abortion up until your due date. Mm -hmm. With the Second Amendment, which is found in the Constitution, they have actually tightened and limited the right to bear arms and to keep them for any reason, not just sports or, or hunting, or but any reason at all. They've actually limited that and caused it to be a right that not all of Americans can actually fully access. And so that is kind of the way the left works. They've been using the Supreme Court for about 30 years now to implement policies that the American people refuse to vote for, from Obergefell and gay mm -hmm. marriage to uh, restrictions on the Second Amendment to the open southern border and DACA to obviously abortion. But the thing about abortion that they are again showing their underpants on these Democrats is that abortion actually negatively impacts black America the most. Black women have 38% of the abortions, but are 7% of the population. So in the big scheme of things, the Republicans are not only in favor of black people owning firearms, but we also want there to be more black people in America, period, because reducing the abortion rate means more black babies, more Hispanic babies, more white babies, more babies overall. But the biggest jump will be in the black community if the birth rate remains the same. So this is another issue under which the Democrats have not only miscalculated, because this fall in November, the election won't be about abortion as much as they may want it to be. It's going to be about the real inflation rate being 18 yeah. percent, us officially being in a recession. 
and the fact that our foreign and domestic policy don't reflect the needs and desires of the American people. So on Dobbs Day, we learned a lot about our country. We actually saw the Supreme Court fully step into their role as arbiters of our Constitution and Bill of Rights. But most importantly, we watched as the Democrats really spun out of control and they're on a path to go down a messaging apparatus that won't get out the vote for them. It actually won't motivate people to listen to anything else that they have to say. And I, for one, am glad about that because they're godless, they're evil, they're moronic, and they're driving our country into the ground. So the fewer people listen to them, the better. And I, I saw a statistic yesterday in the afternoon. It turns out there are one million more registered Republicans in America today than there were before Joe Biden was in office because he and his horrible ideas and his horrible policies are driving Americans into the arms of the Republicans. And again, I say, hooray, I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah. More, more Americans on our side because we have the winning team, the winning ideas. No, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, in Florida, a huge battleground state for the first time, you see more registered Republicans there than Democrats. Let's talk a little bit more about their, this poor messaging of the left, you know, leveraging racism. And now in this issue of, of life, because I find that the Republicans are not really good messengers a lot of times. That they don't know how to go on offense and take the language of the left and turn it against them. So why is it that we're not seeing Republicans come out and say, eh, let's talk about this Margaret Sanger lady, you know, a racist, a white supremacist, a person that spoke at Klan rallies. Let's pull up some of these quotes she had about blacks, you know, undesirables and weeds and things of this nature. And you just brought up an incredible statistic in that black women are 38% of murders of unborn children, yet they only make up 7% of the population. So you hear the left talking about this replacement theory that, you know, Tucker Carlson is promoting. It seems to me the real replacement theory is they're trying to get rid of black people. Yeah, and that was the original name of Planned Parenthood. As you know, Alan, it was uh, called the Negro Project. Mm -hmm. And she actually said, in, in books, and she said in interviews, she was very open about it, Margaret Sanger, because she was a wealthy woman of the day, and she was an activist, and it made her a little unique, because back then, women were a little more quiet, a little more home-oriented, and she was a person who, because of her wealth, could get out there and kind of make waves, and she'd started this organization, the Negro Project, and she'd co-opted black pastors mm. to assist her with what she was doing. And I think they were deceived. Obviously, they were they were operating under maybe a false pretense. But whatever the cause, she got them on her side and was able to use them to sell abortion to the black community. But in her public comments, she said that there were certain kinds of people who were basically human weeds who mm -hmm. needed to be uprooted and removed. And in doing so, the people who would be left would be healthy. They would not you know, have, be suffering from any retardation or special needs. They would not have been people who were marred by diseases like polio or you know anything that would cause a disfigurement. And most importantly, there wouldn't be any black people. It, and that, this was her actual goal. And I, I was thinking to myself, how many millions of black people must have been alive at that time on the face of the planet? And she was thinking about eradicating them in their totality. She was like a Hitler of her day. Yes. And so um, she she's embarrassing. The Planned Parenthood Federation of New York has disassociated with her. They no longer have their Margaret Sanger Award. But Planned Parenthood on the whole has already pivoted, Alan. Um, they, they were driven out of Missouri by Thrive. Thrive mm -hmm. STL is the organization that put up billboards and had uh, mobile uh, units inside of these RVs. And they were painted mm -hmm. with you know pretty, pretty women on the sides. And they would give mammograms, ultrasounds, STD testing. 
and usher you in with a blinged out Bible, share the gospel with you, and then give you all of these um, services that Planned Parenthood could not, they couldn't touch any of it. And so we drove them out of Missouri and now they're pivoting away from their centers altogether. Yeah. They, uh, 50% of uh, abortions today are chemical abortions mm-hmm. and they want to have Plan C be the thing that you see. When you open your medicine cabinet, every home in America will have Tylenol, maybe some Excedrin and Plan C. And that is a chemical abortion. It's not Plan B, the morning after pill. This is the full-blown yeah. methapestrone. It's the the one that gives you an actual abortion. But what they haven't told women that they're selling this to, lefty women who think this is a good idea to have in their cabinets for their daughters in case their daughters make a mistake, is that this drug actually thins the lining of the uterine wall, which means if you have too many of these, if you take too many of these pills, you could render yourself infertile. And so it is our job. You, you mentioned messaging. And I think the Republicans suffer from timidity. I wrote about that in my book, Alan. Yeah. We need strong, godly men of character in elected office because the fear doesn't touch those individuals. They just charge forward in courage, knowing that they're doing the right thing. And messaging comes from that kind of courage. We have to be the ones to talk about everything that they're planning for us. It's death. It's destruction. Just like the devil comes to lie, kill, steal, and destroy. Mm -hmm. They are a part of the enemy's apparatus. They want to do the same thing. And we are here to offer people the pathway to life and more abundance through preserving our bodies, saving our sexuality for marriage, and making all of the choices that lead to so much success in the greatest place on earth to be a black man or a black woman or anything, really. This is the place. So you have the opportunity. But uh, if if the Republicans don't message well, it's up to people like yourself and myself to kind of fill those gaps. And I know that you're, I know you're working on that. I certainly try to do that on, on my program, but I'm, I'm really I'm hopeful in November that enough people have gotten a full dose of the $5 a gallon gas and no baby formula, $40 billion to Ukraine, no money to harden the schools here in America. There's so many things that the Democrats have kind of demonstrated. Look, this is what we believe in. And it doesn't line up with regular mainstream Americans, not not Republicans, not Democrats. Regular mainstream Americans don't line up with this nonsense. So I'm hopeful that we'll see some major sea change in November, something like the red wave of old 2010 yeah 2010 we had 63 seats let's let's talk because you live there in missouri and missouri is one of the states that had the trigger law the where that it said if roe was ever overturned immediately abortions would be illegal and you talked about how planned parenthood has pretty much so been driven out uh what do you see is the next big battle going on in missouri do you think that uh, your law there will be challenged you talked about the plan c pill where they try to you know bring that into missouri what are some of the challenges you see and i got about two minutes well okay so um and the time, the time reminder is great. As you know, for all of us who do radio or anything like that, we yeah. need, we need to know. Okay. So Alan, I, I really think uh, we can't underestimate the dastardly planning that they've already been engaging in because it wasn't just the draft opinion. They've been worried about the overturn of Roe. Uh, actually, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg talked about it at length at one of her public speaking engagements and talked about the frailty and weakness of Roe and how it would eventually be overturned because it had a fatal flaw. They've been warned about this for years now, and so they knew it was possible. Um, and that was one of the reasons why they attacked President Trump mm-hmm. and Justice Kavanaugh so vehemently, because of the over- possible overturn of Roe. Mm-hmm. But now that we've had that, they're moving to cut off Pregnancy Resource Center's access to, to online search through Google. So what happens is you pay for your SEO, and the SEO drives your results up so that people who are searching for your keywords can find you. 
And what they're trying to do is go around all of that and go straight to Google and get Google to deauthorize the search to find pregnancy resource centers who are offering women therapy, counseling, free diapers, free supplies, rent mm -hmm. money, anything you can think of, and in addition to the reproductive services. So they want to take away women's right to find another option besides the Plan C pill. Uh, so that's a big fight. Our trigger law, I don't feel is going to be challenged in court because we have a Republican-controlled legislature and our attorney general is very strong. Mm -hmm. But in any case, they're going to be going up at some point to the same court that overturned Roe. So I don't think the courts are the, the means by which they're going to continue to try to wage their war. They've lost the courts for now. They're going to try to go another way. But in our case, as Christians, as Americans, we need to be absolutely single-minded focus on prayer and action. Prayer because it moves the hand of God and action because that's our role here. And our action needs to be to support pregnancy resource centers. There are thousands of them across the country. Mm -hmm. Find the one closest to you plug into them, get on their newsletter list and find out what they need and donate. It doesn't have to be money. You can donate time. You can donate uh, actual supplies. You go to the grocery store, buy a package of diapers, drop it off, do that once every two weeks. That would do wonders for them. Um, and then the other thing is we have to be really strong on people when they come to our door and say they want our vote. We have to go right to the issues. Where are you on the Second Amendment? And don't just tell me you support it or you own a yeah. gun. What do you think about uh, red flag laws? What do you think about uh, you know, removing due process from people who have not been found to have committed a crime, but you want to take their guns before they've had that access. What about pro-life? Don't you say you're pro-life. Are you pro-life from the womb to the tomb? Are you willing to stand up in the Senate or the, the House of Representatives against people who are really going to be screaming at you and their spit's going to be flying in your face? Can you stand up to that? And so on the major issues, we have to ask these people. And if they waver, we have to tell them, look, you're just not strong enough for this role. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should run for mayor for local office. Maybe you should cut your teeth and then then come back and run for Congress or the Senate. I feel that's important for us. And then, of course, don't forget the heritage we have. Yeah. No matter how bad it gets in America, it's still the best place on earth. And we ought to walk with our heads held high, knowing that God has blessed us and our heritage is still here and strong and we can protect it. Amen. So, Stacy, where can people follow you? I mean, there's a whole laundry list, but how can they tune in for your show and your website and things of that nature? So StacyOnTheRight.com is my website, and you can find me on SiriusXM every night from 8 to 11 p.m., and those are the two places that's easiest to find me. Of course, I do some other work, which you can all find from my blog. There are a lot of podcast episodes there. Um, and just really great content. But mainly, I just I hope people will think about buying my book. My book is available at, for sale at Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I actually break the party platforms down. I take them straight to the word of God and I compare them line by line. And I give you all the ammunition you need to battle your neighbor or maybe it's someone in your family or maybe it's your pastor who needs to kind of be brought along so they can understand what God's word says. And it's it's not contentious. It's a quick read. You can do it in a weekend, maybe four days. And you'll laugh. You might cry a little. I don't know. But you're going you're gonna to laugh and have a good time with the book. And it's available on Amazon. Awesome. Well, you are a true woman of Sparta. You stand for the principles and values you believe in. And, you know, that's why we need you. That's why I think you're great. And I've always enjoyed being with you and sharing thoughts, perspectives, and insights. So thank you so much, Stacey Washington, for being on the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Thank you, Alan. I love it. Thank you. I'll, I'll come back anytime. Let me know. All right. God bless. Thank <laughs> you.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Steadfast Law Podcast. And our third guest from tonight, I've had an incredible opportunity to be with him and his organization that he's the president of. That's the Vitae Foundation up out of Missouri. And they are unique in what they are able to do with the messaging on the pro-life uh, policy. And that's Mr. Carl Landwehr. And hopefully I got that right. And Carl, I just want to thank you for taking the time to be with us here. And I got to ask you the very first question. Did you ever think that you would see the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the United States of America? Uh, Colonel, it's my absolute pleasure to join you. It it is an honor, sir. And you've spoken here in Missouri numerous times, and I've thanked you each time. And here again, we have a chance to be together. And once again, I want to thank you. No, it's my pleasure. So to answer your question, I have been asked that numerous times. And my response is, I knew it would happen. I just didn't think what happened in my lifetime. Mm. What a blessing that you were able to see that. And and I can just imagine you've been fighting this battle for decades. Uh, if I'm right, about 37 years. Uh, that is uh, absolutely correct. My first ever encounter with the issue, a colonel was a college student in 1969, in which a professor began arguing in favor of abortion and having no knowledge of the issue at all. I could not tolerate his arrogance, quite frankly. And I challenged him and I said, uh, well, Professor, what if your mother believed as you believe? And he finally, after some thought, said, well, it'd be okay because there'd be one less consumer on the earth. So uh, with, with that, by way of an introduction in the life issue, I didn't know it'd be a life-changing occurrence that has, uh, yes, uh, well over 37 years now. So l- let's talk about the reason why you founded Vitae and what the real unique mission of Vitae is. Because like I said, you all are all about the messaging and how do you you know, get in touch and how do you undermine and use the right language in promoting the, the issue of pro-life. So what was the impetus behind you uh, getting Vitae started? We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kent Charnig, and I'm the founder of El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans. Don't worry, we're not crazy tree huggers, but we do have an amazing podcast talking about nothing but the military and veterans. Please check us out, epccpv.org. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Colonel, like many things in life, sometimes you don't know what you're getting into until you're halfway there, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so um, I, I just felt that there was something more important to do than what I was currently doing at the time. Uh, some people call it a calling. I certainly feel that it is. And so I looked around at the multiple ways in which the issue has been addressed and discovered that uh, I, I wouldn't do them those ways, quite honestly. And so I, I'm a sociologist by training, mm-hmm. and I went back to sociology and tried to discover all the different aspects of the of, of that um, discipline that could bring bearing on the messaging, the cause for life. And I discovered that it was indeed the message, uh, and also the the research, the market research, and then mm-hmm. ultimately the message. I always go back to some incredible sociologist, Marshall McLuhan, who said the medium is the message. So we find different mediums to drive the message. And we found, for example, college sports, uh, professional sports, 
is a fantastic way to change the culture because um, that medium is indeed the message. And when you get your message out in the context of all-American activities, sir, slowly but surely, that message become all-American. And so um, that's just a little flavor of what we've been able to do. Most recently, we have studied, um, I should say currently, we're studying the impact of abortion on the African-American community, particularly women. And also we realized that the chemical abortion pill is here to stay in some form or fashion. And we've concluded our hypothesis in these investigations is we better figure out how to communicate with women long before they get pregnant. So that takes us to a much younger audience. And that's what we're studying right now, these two important studies. So when you talk about the medium, because one of the things I saw you doing was like during uh, St. Louis Cardinals baseball games, you would have advertisements. And I found that so profound because oftentimes we as Christians and conservatives, we retract away from the culture instead of using the, the means and the mediums of the culture to get our message out. And you all have been so effective in doing that. Well, that, that is absolutely correct, and I go back to some of the early beginnings. I, 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 I'm a good learner. I pride myself in getting down to facts and studying them and analyzing them. And uh, we had John Leal, who at the time was the editor of U.S. News & World Report, ultimately, and I should say currently now, a fellow in the Manhattan Institute, made a most incredible statement. He said, pro-life has got to control the storyline, got mm -hmm. to control the storyline. And so as we develop the great, most effective messages, find the best delivery system for that message, I think we too will eventually be able to control the storyline by one of those messages that Vitae has been developing for some time now, and that is the uh, focus, uh, the pro-woman focus, the pro-woman focus, by helping mom will save a baby. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right, and I think that that's the next step. And so when you look at this incredible success, victory, that we have from a constitutional-based Supreme Court, what is next for Vitae? I mean, how do we make sure we sustain this and we don't lose ground? Because one of the things, the principles in, in the military is that after a successful attack, when you consolidate and you reorganize on the objective, you have to prepare for the counterattack. So what's the counterattack that you see coming and how is Vitae preparing for that? Colonel, your observation through the military is absolutely right. It's consistent with our understanding of sociology and psychology, communication and all the other disciplines that at play here. And one of the things that's most critical is um, you have to view that court decision as a beachhead. Yes. It's, it's a beachhead toward a bigger... We're landing on Normandy. Yes, we are. And I'm a fan of the Normandy invasion. I've studied it immensely. So um, what I'm really saying here is the big prize, the big prize is the culture of life. And the success we saw with the court is really what the old timers in the cause I have learned uh, have have always reminded me that uh, the legal system is a, a teacher. The law is a teacher. And um, so the court decision is, like I said, a beachhead toward a bigger goal, which is we got to overturn the culture, to borrow that term, overturn. Yeah, because now we've got to march toward Berlin. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and so we have got to have a good, strong campaign plan because there, there are three levels of, of an operation. You have the strategic level, the operation level, and of course, the tactical level, and they have to be nested together. So as you look out the next five to 10 years yes, in this, you know, what are the two to three critical things you think we need to focus on? 
First thing uh, I had been doing have, and knew this day would come, and I've been watching it and studying it for well over a year now, and that is we are seeing the amalgamation of three ideologies. Mm-hmm. I recommend that people not follow the money so much as follow the ideologies. And the three uh, of great concern that bear great impact on what we're doing here in the cause for life is secular humanism, which yes. in the 1880s was known as the spiritist movement, quite similar to the, what we call secular humanism. And at that time, believe it or not, abortions per capita were higher then than now. And it was the early feminists that changed that within 50 years to the lowest per capita. So secular humanism, secular humanism is a real critical ideology to watch. The second one is globalization as manifested by the Green Revolution. And then lastly, in this third triangle, is, is socialism. These three have amalgamated into a new force that... Um, can best be described as, if you really think about it, abortion on demand is now a principal tenet of wokeism. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we, are, we are fighting wokeism. And I'm, I predict that before long, pro-life people will be defined as racist. Well, they're already trying to do that. Yes, and, yes. and when you look at the absurdity of that, because the biggest community that has been impacted by the murder of unborn babies is the black community. And, you know, you go back and you read and study Margaret Sanger, who was a racist, who was a right supremacist, and Planned Parenthood was found basically to advance and promote a genocide of the black community. We have got to get that truth out there so that they are not able to own that narrative and flip that that language. One of the things we just finished up, uh, that major component, and that is the study we're doing about racism, about why it is that African-American women tend to have as many as four times more abortions than Caucasians. Incredible. One of the things, just a great takeaway I'll share with you is we try, I recommend, it's still much in the development stage, but it's very important that we don't associate eugenics with Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood is such almost like a Bible. It's a Bible tenet. It's almost like a church, a theology for the black community, as surprising as that is. So when you separate the two, you'll have greater success communicating with this whole black community that doesn't know much about the uh, Tsigi study uh, or experimentation, among others. So uh, that's an important concept, I think, that as we go forward, we'll have to we'll have to master how these interrelate. Do you see hope in this new generation? I really believe we're seeing a post-Roe generation when I see a lot of these young people out there in the March for Life. How is Vitae growing that next generation of life activists? The most important thing for us to do is once we gather this research, we have um, incredible studies going back um, millions of dollars worth of investigation into this very topic. And the best way we can serve the pro-life cause is to share this information with what, with what we call uh, our peer organizations, those who are like-minded, like-mission-driven as well as pregnancy care centers. And the more we can share with them how to articulate the case, how to research the audience before you attempt to communicate with them, these kinds of things are what I think is going to be critical as, as we go forward. The other thing I think is important is not to be too terribly distraught over the unique uh, picketers and so forth on TV. They're not really the audience. Mm-hmm. They are the manifestation of some very weird thinking. They're in the 60s, people would ask me, what about this is nothing more than the 60s all over. And I say, oh, no, 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 it's not. This 
in the 60s, I lived through it, that was organic. Now we have paid insurrectionists. That's mm-hmm. a wholly different world that we have to deal with now. So um, it's figuring out how we uh, can best integrate into wokeism with a message that communicates through, I would call, cognitive dissonance, how to cause dissonance and move those people who are conflicted into our point of view. Very well. Now, let's just close out by sharing where can people follow you and the work of Vitae Foundation website or any other means by which they can get a hold of the organization and support the work that you're doing at Vitae. Sure. Just uh, our uh, website is www.vitaefoundation.org. That's probably where you can access a lot of the research, a lot of the connections, um, a good deal of the materials that we've developed. We're in a process, I might add very quickly, uh, Colonel West is we're developing what we call the, the Vitae Research Institute, in which mm-hmm. we're going to combine all this past research, with all the new research, and through this uh, institute, make it more readily available through uniquely different venues that we've never used before. Um, so that's uh, something you'll also find coming out, as I mentioned, vitaefoundation.org. Well, thank you so much, Carl Landwehr. And you are a pioneer. You're a trailblazer for what we saw decided last week, uh, Friday. So you have to be so proud of the efforts that you have been doing for, like I say, close to four decades. And what Vitae Foundation continues to do, V-I-T-A-E, ladies and gentlemen, what you continue to do to make sure that we are messaging, we are researching, and we are getting the truth out there to the people. So God bless your call and thank you. And it's an honor to have been able to speak at Vitae uh, you know, programs and events. It is my pleasure, Colonel West, and all the best to you. Uh, it's it's a joint venture, and the Lord has given us great comrades in this fight, and, and praise the Lord for that. Absolutely. God be with you, and tell everyone there on the staff of Vitae, thank you so much. I will do the first thing in the morning when we have prayer. Absolutely. Let's stay re- resolute, and let's stay vigilant. Absolutely. Thanks, Bye Carl. Now. Bye now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You know, our mission here is to make sure that we better inform you, educate you, and activate you on these critical issues that we see come facing us here in the United States of America right now. And if you like this podcast, please share it and please hit that like button because we want to make sure that this message is getting out. Thanks so much to producer Chad, executive producer Lisa, and my dear buddy, CW3 Ryan Weaver for our theme song. Have a great night. Before they burn it down